It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from WGU. Do you want a more skilled, loyal, and effective workforce? Consider a partnership with Western Governors University. Over 300 organizations already count on WGU for valuable education benefits. Students can fit schooling around their schedules and even complete courses and degrees sooner than planned. And it's all online. Partner with WGU to make a smart investment in your company's and your employees' future. Learn more at wgu.edu slash partnerships. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As always, you can find our podcast on the new Himalaya podcasting app, as well as all the usual suspects, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Today, we've got a few notes, mostly from Paul Denner over at The Athletic, summarizing yesterday's OTAs. He had a sit down with Duke Tobin as well. And we forgot to mention yesterday, while we were reminiscing on Bengals past, Marvin Lewis's comments in a recent podcast, he went on with Adam Schefter to talk about his new position at Arizona State. And Schefter, I thought, gave a pretty good interview. I listened to the podcast, actually, asking Marvin quite a bit about his connection to the NFL, whether he wanted to come back, what his thoughts were on Cincinnati, if he'd be watching the games this year, etc. So we can touch on that as well. Before we get into those topics, a quick shout out to our sponsor, Hotels.com. Joe, have you booked a vacation yet? Yes, we did. You used just, just this past week. To get rewarded? Of course we did. You know we did. Of course you did. Because you get rewarded. That's exactly why I did it. Go check out Hotels.com. Get rewarded. Be there. Do that. So, Joe, let's start with Marvin Lewis's comments just to get it out of the way. He said that he still had connections with the players in Cincinnati. He misses his guys. He named Sam Hubbard, of course and some guys in the recent draft class. John Ross was even a name he mentioned. A.J. Green, Andy Dalton, of course, the guys that have been there with him through the quote-unquote thick and thin. But he did say he wouldn't be watching Bengals games. Adam Schefter asked, how do you think the Bengals will do this year? He said, I have no idea. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't yep. see that part. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. But, yeah, he said uh, he, you know, he feels something for the players, but that's it in terms of watching the Bengals. And so, Joe, you seem to think that's a little bit harsh, right? I do think it's a little harsh. I think, I mean, the, the team gave you, the franchise gave you 16 years of uh, of a blank check, in my opinion, of to just do as you please. Hopefully you can do the best you can. And um, I, he do, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that length of time anywhere else. I mean, they they stood by him through all the, the, the shortcomings. And I think... For him to say, well, I care about my players, but that's it. I mean, geez, man. I, I thought it would be a little bit more than that. Here's my rebuttal. 
The Bengals didn't give Marvin Lewis what he asked for. You say blank check. I say blank check that has a limit of like a $1,000. With sure. <laughs> it's a know? credit card instead, right? Yeah. It, it's got a, it's got a pretty low cap on it for a blank check. And I think as far as blank checks go, it's about as undesirable as it, as it can get. Yes. Mike Brown was loyal to Marvin Lewis and he probably overstayed his welcome in Cincinnati, but I think the only people that were loyal to Marvin Lewis really in terms of giving him everything they had, everything that he asked for were the players. And that's what, that's what this reflects. He often well, they saved his in job. The, how many times? Uh, yep. There's that. He, they saved his job. It's often talked about in the media uh, when Marvin Lewis went out and did interviews that he had a good relationship with Mike Brown, but as with every, I mean, and, and Andrew Whitworth has said the same thing, but it's hard to believe when some of these guys say, yeah, Mike Brown, you know, he really wants to win. He's doing the right thing. Um, you sure. can easily speculate that there's some gap between the truth and what they say when it comes to Mike Brown, Marvin Lewis saying he got what he wanted and he did get some of it, but I don't think he got all of it. And the last bit I'll add to this is the fans have been asking for Marvin Lewis to get fired for at least four years, probably nice. longer, depending on who the fan is. And so, sure, yes, he he could have acknowledged the fans of Cincinnati, but they weren't good to him. I I don't think he feels like he necessarily owes anything to Cincinnati. He did express regrets that he didn't do his job. He said his job was always to win a championship in Cincinnati, and he said, you know, unfortunately he didn't get that done. And, and, And I think he, you know, obviously wishes it would have done better. He has professional standards for himself. I guess I just want him to watch this team and watch them win without him. Why would he do that? Think about it as a human, right? You leave a job and there's a little bit of sour grapes. You want to look back at that job and be like, look at how much they needed me. That's the natural human thing to do. I mean, so they'd have to be like horrible this next year. For you I, that's what Mar- that, 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 that would make Marvin Lewis feel good, I think, but... I think that the the mitigating factor there is he does care for the players. He wants to see them succeed. He said he's been in contact most, I think, with Vontez Perfect. Been trying to get him ready to go. Hmm. He was always the one that could, right, originally. They have a very special relationship in a way. Like you said, Marvin Lewis wouldn't have gotten that chance anywhere else. Well, neither would Vontez Perfect with Marvin Lewis. That's true. So that's where they're at and it's it's good they're staying in touch then that he did we don't, I don't even think we mentioned that he landed with being a special assistant to the regional manager at Arizona State that's right he's going to be helping them do self scouting uh, he is not oh, allowed great. to re- <laughs> right? I didn't know that was what it was yeah he, he's not allowed to recruit because he's not technically a coach because you know college staffs and I learned this and Adam Schefter learned this too during the podcast college staffs have been expanding such that they have to limit the number of coaches that are allowed to actually go out on the road and recruit. Hmm. And Marvin Lewis, they're allowed 10 coaches to go recruit. Marvin Lewis technically isn't even a coach, is not allowed to go on the road and recruit. But once the players come to the campus, he's allowed to contact them because, you know, they're there. Self-scouting, though, huh? That's one of his That's jobs. one of the things they were yeah. bad at. Well, you, you wonder how much of that was him. Most NFL teams have scouting departments to do self-scouting, and the Bengals have a notoriously small scouting department, and I think that is a fantastic segue. What's that? I said they got three guys. Yeah, they have three guys. And that's a good segue, as I was saying, to the Paul Denner piece. He talked to Duke Tobin, and 
one of the questions he asked Duke Tobin is if he would be adding scouts. And Duke Tobin pretty much said, we're happy with the guys we have here. It's about the voices in the room, not the number of voices in the room. And so you can expect from the mouth of Duke Tobin that the scouting staff will not be expanding this year. And and Daner does point out that it has expanded a bit in the last few years. I think it's a cop-out answer when he's, when they say this. Oh, we as long as we have good people that we trust, I don't care how many people we have, basically, right? Well, it's not like the resources are tapped out of good people you could trust that have good, smart minds and can communicate and do the job you want them to do. You know, they're out there. You just have to find them and spend some resources to find these people. Uh, no doubt in my mind, you could expand to 10 scouts if you wanted to and get 10 good ones. Yep. Yep, I agree. So, it's a cop-out Yeah, answer. so I hate the answer. I don't like it either. Um, I, I get having people you trust, and this has been a common refrain from Duke Tobin, but I, you, you got to modernize, and I think you need more people for that. So I, I think that's step number one. I didn't love that answer. He also mentioned Gerald McCoy signing. Gave a pretty generic answer because he can't really talk about players that sign elsewhere or he didn't want to at the very yeah. least. And it sounds like the Bengals just, you know, they didn't get a visit. They weren't even in the top three. So it's not terribly surprising, but yeah, he made it sound like the interest wasn't mutual. They had interest in him. They did. He didn't have interest in the Bengals, whether that be the city or the money or the team, at least not enough interest, right? The Duke sure. Tobin's quote, you're right. sounds like Gerald McCoy had no interest. And I wonder how true that is. He might've had some, but not more interest than the top three teams. He ended up being with. exactly, exactly. And maybe if Marvin Lewis was still there, you never know. There's a lot of respect for the defensive coach. He might he might go see it. I think it's, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Bengals had a hard time courting free agents with a new head coach. And all of their coaches are so unproven. It wouldn't be surprising if that was an obstacle for them with free agents that didn't have any connection to the coaches on the roster. Well, look at the guys they brought in, or either guys that had local ties or previous coaching ties with assistants. Exactly. So, but that's not out of the norm of what they normally do. They just don't normally have outside coaches helping bring those guys over, the carry wins and BW Webs. And they usually have had more experience on the coaching staff too. I would say, yeah, in terms of NFL experience, especially. Definitely, this is the easily the the least experienced coaching staff I can remember them having since Marvin got here. And uh, it's but with that is something we also ask for is the youngest staff they've had. So, yep. And that means that we have to give them a chance, I think, at least a couple of years to get their feet under them and figure out what it's going to be. And it sounds like the players are very receptive. This gets into some of the stuff we'll talk about later with Auden Tate. We're going to take a quick break. There's a little bit more Duke Tobin to talk about. He talked about the linebacker position a little bit as well. And Jermaine Pratt talks about John Ross. And we'll touch on all of those notes before we move on. Of course, we're not going to tell you everything because this is subscription-based and you should go read right. it at theathletic.com, but the, the highlights we'll get to. Before we take the break, our show today is also brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Joe, I think, is getting himself a Grip6 Belt any day now. It's got to be coming. I'm expecting it in the mail. No, I haven't given out my address to anyone, so that means it's not coming. That's a smart move for your safety, but... For all of you that have dads or brothers that have kids, whatever it is, get them a Father's Day gift, grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E for your special offer. They also have a women's line of belts, I believe, so you can check those out too. Or I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they have a women's line as well. Anyway, we'll be right back. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. 
That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. 
It's the Locked On Bengals podcast, and we are back from break. Jake and Joe here. We're still going over Paul Denner's piece on The Athletic, which uh, we're only going to go over a couple questions that he had and asked of Duke Tobin. The one that I think everyone would like a clearer answer on or um, at least some insight to what the Bengals were thinking was that linebacker where uh, Denner asked them, did they do enough at that position? And, and uh, Tobin responded with, we struggled to stay healthy. This is a quote, actually. We struggled to stay healthy there in that position group. If we can stay up and running, we think we've got guys that can ha- that have some traits that can be effective football players. The whole defense has to come together and play as a unit. We feel good about the individuals we have at the position group. We'll see how they come along, yada, yada, yada. But um, basically he says he thinks the guys that they have are the guys, and and obviously at this point. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. that he, And when they he had a follow-up, Denner did on Jermaine Pratt and Tobin was just basically like, I guess we'll see on him as a third yeah. round pick, you know, not really saying we expect him to start. We expect him to play well. We expect him to play a good chunk of the defense. Just we'll see. Yeah. He really stonewalled him on the linebacker question. I think he got a very coach speak answer here of, you know, we like our guys. They weren't healthy last year. We want them to stay healthy this year and we'll see about the rookie. No mention of Malik Jefferson unsurprising at this point i think that it would be a surprise he he, nobody's mentioned his name throughout all the otas it would be a surprise to me if he makes a dent in this roster uh, outside of just being a special teams backup in 2019 is he closer to being cut or closer to starting cut yeah yeah i mean i think he gets another year but he's not their guy he's not this coaching staff's guy he's a third round pick and if he's not putting it together and not learning they probably feel like, you know what, see ya. But I think he'll probably get another year because he's a second-round player. There's no no real harm in keeping him. Third round, yeah. Sorry, second year. Yes, I know what you meant. John Ross also mentioned Duke Tobin's been impressed with Ross. He is great in the red zone. He's always, it sounds like, it sounds like he's practiced better than he's played. Is yeah. something I took away from that quote. And of yeah, course, he kind of said a, he's always said that he said the traits have always shown up with John Ross. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how how it translates to the football field. As always, he's always flashed and he's shown that he can do it in the red zone. At least he has a track record there. But you'd like to see him improve his efficiency and his ability to contribute between the 20s. And staying on the field, which he was on a stationary bike yesterday during open practices, yeah. allowing Auden Tate and Alex Erickson to flash and get some reps in. And speaking of those two, more good notes for some players we've already heard about this preseason. Jesse Bates had an interception yesterday. We talked about that one yesterday. Alex Erickson continues to make plays in camp. He's been a camp all-star for, I feel like, three years now. And yeah. uh, we'll see. I mean, he, he's a backup. He's a he's a good backup, but he, he's he been a camp all-star, and, and I guess that's why they paid him. I'd like to hear more on Josh Malone being the one. And you know, you know what I'm happy not to hear of, though, is is Cody Core doing more. You know, it's really yeah. – it's been it's been Tate and Erickson, which I'll take right now. And Hunter Sharp got some run. Yeah, you you got to wonder what's going on with Malone. He's also in the Malik Jefferson of his last chance has got to be coming soon. Of course, he's going into his third year, whereas Jefferson is going into his second year. And it could just be that the the writers aren't writing about them. We're not watching the practices ourselves. And they're only getting one a week. And they're, they're, exactly. They're only getting one a week. So who who knows? 
but right. we haven't that's heard Josh point. Malone's name. That's right. And uh, but the the talk on Tate was good that he has he's he's working on his route running. He feels more confident this year. They at least realize he's a a good red zone threat. Um, they said he beat Drake or Patrick on a slant with a little nod to the outside before hitting the slant uh, for a touchdown in seven on sevens. I thought there was one quote from Auden Tate that really encapsulates how I think the players feel about this coaching staff and the direction they take in, in teaching. And it goes like this, uh, quote, obviously we switched to a different offense, but now I'm able to get it faster, retain it better, pick up things better than I did last year. When Coach Taylor first got here, we started going over stuff. He did a great job of making things make sense, even plays that have options. We, he makes it all tie together in some ways for us to get it, get it easier on the field. It's actually a better learning experience than it was last year. I got it way faster than I did last year, end quote. I think that speaks to both him and his growth as a player, his maturity as a player, his ability to understand professional football, the way it's in, uh, installed and implemented, the way it's taught. And I think it also speaks to Zach Taylor. He's not the first Bengal that has praised the teaching methods that have come in with Zach Taylor's coaching staff. Right. That's a good thing. We want this. You know, the, if guys are responding all the time, and this this has happened, I think that definitely the, the second half of Marvin's tenure was, why aren't you playing this rookie, right, would be the question. Or why isn't this young guy getting more playing time? And he thought, well, Or why haven't you brought in this free agent? And then his response was, well, you can't always pick up the playbook quickly. You know, it takes a while to digest our system. Uh, this guy's just not getting it. He's not ready. Whatever the case may be, he's always had an answer that made it seem like the system was so hard to grasp or what they were doing was rocket science in terms of getting a guy from the outside to handle it when it didn't look like that on tape, right? It didn't look like that in games. So it was, in my opinion, and it was a lot of times, if a guy's not ready, your job as a coach is to get him ready. And plenty of times they weren't able to get anything out of a bunch of young players that ended up being good in year two, year three, once they got the opportunities. I'm hoping uh, Auden Tate being one of them, but we've got a whole host of, of guys on this roster right now that could still take another step if they feel now they have a better grasp of it or they're being coached uh, in a better way. Or just a way that plays to their strengths. And that's sure. an interesting point when you think about how involved the Bengals coaching staff has been in the draft process. They're not only coaching guys. It's not like a GM is dumping guys in their lap and they're like, you know what, we like these traits in these guys. Go coach them. Right. The, the, the coaches in Cincinnati are more involved in the draft than most other NFL teams. And they've had issues developing some players that we've seen have late success or success elsewhere. And some examples. And part of it's also recognition. Justin Smith was good in Cincinnati but went on to be better in San Francisco. Uh, same can be said for, uh, of course, recently, uh, Marcus Hunt. Yep. Jonathan Joseph. I mean, he he was good for the Bengals, but he's now played for another, what, nine years? And at a tremendously high level. I know. When you're that athletic, when you're that fast coming out, the the longevity for those guys can last forever because they, they may lose a step, but they're still a step ahead. Who drafted Isaiah Johnson? Raiders? You remember? Yeah. I look forward to watching that career. Speaking yeah. of very athletic corners, he was a guy that tested in the 100th percentile for right. for athleticism uh, from Houston cornerback that I'm excited to watch. Some other notes from OTAs. This has been a theme the last two weeks. The defense seems to have more positive notes than the offense. Ryan Finley looks bad. 
Sam Hubbard beat Jonah Williams, which, you know, second year player beating first year player, fine. Which one do you want to hear there? Do you, it's kind of funny, right? When you hear something like that, two guys that you still are, would consider in development phase, two guys that are going to play big roles for the team are good. I think Hubbard will. Uh, and you say, well, I don't know who I want. I, I want them both to win. I want them both to give each other a battle there. Uh, and someone's got to come out on top. But to hear that Hubbard is beating Jonah, at least in those couple of reps, uh, I thought to me was interesting because we haven't heard anything about Jonah Williams so far. This is really the first we've heard in terms of specific performances, yeah. So at least uh, it also tells us where Hubbard's playing a little bit too, coming off the right edge. It's nice to hear that Hubbard's getting some wins, though. I, I, I kind of yes. like that. And and uh, it's not... I don't think it's too much to the detriment of Jonah Williams because Sam Hubbard is a second-year player and Jonah Williams is a rookie. We we don't expect him to come out and set the world on fire. Yeah, and it's not like... Uh, remember Oboehe and, and Carl Lawson? That oh, Lawson's rookie year and all you heard was, Lawson's killing Oboehe. And we were like, wow, is Lawson going to be really good or is Oboehe really bad? And I'm like, it could be both. <laughs> and So, uh, not that I'm saying this is that scenario. I'm just, you know, there are, are times you can look at it and say, well, yeah, this makes sense why this guy's beating that guy. Well, yeah, that and that was a consistent story of just Oboehe getting whipped all up and down the field. And this is just a couple plays. And it, but it was nice to hear it from Lawson being a fourth round, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, fourth right. round pick. Yeah, and it got her eyes on him, and then he went out there and was really good. So that so you know. if Hubbard's winning on the edge, my point, if Hubbard's winning on the edge as a pass rusher more consistently, or at least even a little bit more than he was, like, take away the Colton Miller game against the Raiders, his numbers look much worse. You know, and I think a lot of people are, well, he's a stud, future young guy, and I'm like, I'm not there yet. But if he shows he can be more of an edge rusher, then I really liked Hubbard last year, and if he puts that together, then I really like him. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what else we should talk about, Joe? What's that? Offensive tackles that aren't named Bobby Hart that are available today. That's right. Two other guys that could help this team. Two other guys. One of them's on your team, your shadow team. That's right. Desmond Harrison, the undrafted free agent tackle from Cleveland, was cut today. It said that he was missing meetings entirely, and if he wasn't, he was late. So not a great look for him, but there is a lot of talent there. He was at least Bobby Hart level I would say, as a rookie, an undrafted guy for Cleveland. At left tackle. Left tackle, right? Right, yes, yeah. correct. And I think the character questions are a continuation from why he wasn't drafted. This guy's an athletic freak with the size and everything you want, and there's a reason why he wasn't as successful in college, and then as teams did their homework, was not drafted. So mm-hmm. um, this isn't a new thing, and I think it obviously wore thin real quick. Or overtime, I guess I shouldn't say which one it was, but the Browns had enough. And uh, for a team that probably needs help at tackle, I think the Browns could very quickly be in a tough situation there. Uh, interesting that they released him. So I don't know if I – he'll hit waivers, by the way. So if you think the Bengals should pick him up, uh, it'll have to go through waiver claims, and the Bengals are pretty high up there. Or they could wait until he clears waivers because maybe no one will touch him. Sure, but you're not going to get him any cheaper. He's going to be on a, a undrafted contract anyways. No, I know, but there's a chance no one will touch him. Anyway, the other uh, tackle that was released today was, or not released, Trent Williams apparently really wants out of Washington. This is a Pro Bowl left tackle, an yeah. All-Pro. Was he ever an All-Pro? I feel like he's an All-Pro. Oh, he's had to be. He's borderline Hall of Fame type. Yeah, really good player. Still has Still has something left in the tank. Trent Williams is unhappy with the way the Washington Ball Club handled his injury at some point and wants out. 
it said that it was previously thought that it was financial issues that he wanted to get paid more, but now it turns out it's reported by Jason Lacanfora that nope, he he wants out because of the way they handled a recent medical situation. He's vowed, strong language, vowed not to play for Washington again. He's pulling on a Carson Palmer right now. He doesn't. He will not step foot in Washington, the state of Washington, or D.C. or Maryland ever again. Wow. So if you're the yeah. Seahawks, you're just out of luck. Just you're done. Of yep. You can't get them. That's, that's, right. that's tough because they always seem to need offensive line help. If, of course, the first name that I see speculated connected to Trent Williams is, is PFF Sam saying Cleveland. You know who just released a tackle? You know who needs a tackle? Cleveland. Right. Shoot me. Of course. Shoot me <laughs> because I can see it happening. Because like they already got Odell Beckham and then we had to deal with a week of thinking they were going to get Gerald McCoy and now I have to deal with the idea of them getting Trent Williams. Like, go away. I'm sick of you. Yeah, they'll get punched in the mouth and they'll lose a game. and it'll be You know back what? Normal. Baker Mayfield's look like shit in OTAs. Is this true? Yeah. I didn't hear that. He, Greedy Williams that. picked him off twice today. One of, one of them was tipped, the other one was a pick six. Should have been Bengals' second-round pick, Greedy Williams? Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. I mean, he should have been, right? He was the best player available. We talked about this already. No need to rehash it. But he had two picks today, so it brings it up. Yep. Anyway, it's said that Baker Mayfield is not having a great camp. At least one tweet I saw today. Great. I'll take that to mean that Baker Mayfield is going to turn to dust. I, there's been a lot of highlights of him making plays. I don't want to talk about the Browns, Jake. Me neither, but they keep coming up. I'm sick of it. Go away. That's they hurt you. Now they're going away. Good. So what else we got on tap today? What? What do you mean? <laughs> Troy Blackburn needs to go back to Walmart and look at the tackles on the show. Oh, you're That's fired up. <laughs> you are fired up. <laughs> yeah, because these guys are. Are these Walmart? Ta- no, these aren't. Uh, Harrison's a Walmart tackle, right? Yeah, and I'd rather have him. Well, maybe I would like not. to. I don't know. Not rather, but I'd like to take him and just see what happens, right? Would you put a claim in on, on Harrison? I would rather have him for 600 k than I'd have Bobby Hart for $7 million, and that Without is not a question. question. It is not a question, because then you could say, hey, maybe we'll be interested in Trent Williams. But currently, no. No way. Yep. They couldn't afford it. They can They won't. The Bengals are actually spending a decent amount on this offensive line. For the return on the investment so far from what we've seen, they're not. They're overboard. They're 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 deep right now. When when PFF does their dollars per wins or whatever for the Bengals offensive line, I imagine that's going to look ugly at the end of the year. It's not going to be pretty. No, that's because like easily, even if they're average or just below average, even if they're better than last year, they're spending a yeah. lot of money. Like you said, they're spending a lot of money on that unit. What do you think's the most wasteful unit? Is it offensive line for them? Because I was going to say tight end, kind of, because they just signed Uzama and then. Eifert, you don't know, he might give you four games again, right? And Uzama got a decent deal for being an okay number two. Yeah, uh, this is something that Evan Silva actually mentioned. He said that given the investment in the tight end room, he thought that the Bengals would be playing a lot of 12. Of course, we've heard differently from Brian yep. Callahan in particular, but it stands to reason that if the money talks, they'll be playing a lot of 12. If they're playing a lot of 11, meaning Eifert's one, a wide one receiver. End, a, Eifert might be a wide receiver, but if Eifert's a wide receiver, you're probably not getting the personnel group. You're probably getting them out there in base, which maybe you want that. Yeah, if you want that, uh, right. great. If, if you'd rather have them smaller so you can run the ball, 
well, then you're not, you know, that that's not doing what you wanted to do. When you put much. him at base, you get a linebacker out or a safety out because you got Eifert split. If so Jason is a linebacker. If you put Eifert wide, sure. Exactly. That's what I mean. He's a wide receiver is <laughs> by and, this definition, and you do it, and you get that guy out of the box. And not a slot guy, you mean. Right. Okay. Or even if he's a slot guy, then the linebacker at least has to detach a little bit, or a safety's got to come down and, and get out of the box, barely. Right. But if you're running away from him, that those guys are shifted away. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think but yeah, it'll be Rams interesting run to see. weak side majority of the time. As always, Eifert creates matchup issues and personnel issues, and it'll be really interesting to see how different teams attack that this year when the Bengals go out there and use him as a receiver, and see I how think, the Bengals use it. I think that's something we'll talk about every yeah. week. Yep. If if Eifert's healthy every game this season, watching how he's used on a game to game basis will be incredibly interesting. Yeah, it'll be a continued trend for us to talk about. But I do think tight end and O-line are their most wasteful uh, position groups. I don't know if there's actually another one that I'd put. Now that they don't have Vinny Ray to go with Preston Brown, it's just Preston Brown really really at linebacker. Everyone else is cheap on a rookie deal. And they don't perfect on there. They're spending a lot of money on the defensive line, but that's mostly two players that are very good. Yeah, and they've got some young guys they think can play well. You know, really, I think four guys that are on rookie deals between Lawson, Hubbard, um, Billings, and Glasgow could all make impacts and be considered value guys. There's more value guys than than heavy guys on that position now, if group. Marvin, if Marvin was still the coach, I would think this upcoming year would be the year they go heavy on defensive line again and replenish their young defensive line stores. But now with an offensive head coach, it'll be interesting to see 2020 because usually they go in a cycle. They, they've had young defensive linemen on this roster forever. Yeah, it is right. And they may be in that position. It will be interesting because do you go back? They've spent a lot of resources on the offensive side of the ball in terms of draft capital yeah. in the last five years even. And yeah. uh, it makes you wonder if, if with a offensive coach where this ends up, where they go again. Because when I'm thinking of this too, I'm not just thinking of salary cap. When thinking of wasteful positions, it could be uh, draft capital also. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, and then when you put it that way, that's why I was thinking of tight end. They spent a second round pick on their yeah. de facto three. I know he could play just as much as the other guys, but you know, just that's a lot of capital to invest. I mean, they have two first round picks and a two two top ten picks and a second rounder at wide receiver. They have that's three true. first round corners. Yep, and spent money on BW Webb. Yeah, and they spent uh, similar to BW Webb. They spent money on Alex Erickson. To be their fourth guy. If we're talking Even, about this many position groups, does that mean they're pretty well balanced? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Does that mean they're wasteful at those? I mean, what is the best value position group? Running back? Yeah. Even for for most teams. Geo? But they didn't use Geo enough to, to justify that contract. But as a as a unit, as a depth chart, running back is uh yeah. probably their their most their most value. I think safety now, maybe? Safety for sure. I think this is something we should talk about uh, for a full episode, like in two weeks when minicamp isn't happening. Because next week we have minicamp, I, I think. This is one of those spur-of-the-moment things that we're like, you know, this is a decent idea. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this one in more depth later, I think. Actual have numbers, and we can try and get um, some expected points per those positions and yada yada, and we'll get more data. Good old-fashioned data. People love it. Tomorrow, we're taking your questions for the Lockdown Bengals weekend mailbag. Woo-woo. We're already there. What day is it? It comes quick. 
Man, it's Wednesday. What? This week is flying for me. That's crazy. All right. Tomorrow is Thursday. We're taking your questions. We'll answer them in the mailbag. Get them to us by 8 p.m. or so, 8.30 maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best to answer all your questions for the mailbag tomorrow. We'll send a reminder tomorrow. If you're listening to this and yes. it's before noon, about noon, we'll send out a reminder on the Twitter account. That's right. Until then, Bengals fans, go check out the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, Google Play, iTunes, all the good stuff. Spotify, that one's one of them too. And until we talk to you next, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that... The Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.